Justin. Hola. <laughs> What's going on, bro? You good? I'm living the dream, man. You know me. Okay, off air two seconds ago, you said the whole wrestling world has changed in three months, and we kind of had to cover what was going on with Hunter, and we'll jump into that a little bit later on. Obviously, if you are a wrestling fan at all, you know that Tony Khan has had his hands full with Punk, the Bucks, Omega, everything has been crazy. And we're going to try to go through that, make some sense of that, and see what direction he should go and maybe predict what direction he will go, and then we'll slide into some Hunter. Does that sound good to you? Plan, Stan. Plan, Stan. After this, welcome to Go Home Heat, a wrestling podcast. Here at Go Home Heat, our contributors focus on the stories and character arcs of the live-action drama art form. An art form dating back to Zeus, featuring Lincoln and a bear, and peeking with RoboCop and Sting. In the words of Xavier Woods, the last form of theater in the round. And now, Go Home Heat. We're the stands. Yeah, exactly. And the marks. I, I'm a mark. I, I take it with pride. I think people I, should. Well, the whole point of the show is to be entertained. And if you're not marking out, are you really being entertained? If you're just sitting there thinking, oh, I know everything behind the scenes and I'm meta and everything. Blah, that's boring. Also, it's a fandom Right? Yeah. You watched the Alabama game yesterday. Yes. And anybody that was not rooting for Alabama is showing 150 clips of could have been called penalties. Yes. Yes. And I would guess if Alabama had lost, they would because in a in a football game, things happen that don't get called. All the time. There's holding on every play. Go watch. By the technical definition of holding. None of these guys know how to block. There should be a holding call on every play. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And whether or not something is pass interference or whatever, those things are just so subjective, right? Who's pushing yeah. who? You know, how much is how much is just putting your hand on his shoulder and how much is all that other stuff? It's so crazy. But that's the point of fandom though, is you get so invested. I, I, I'll give you an example. I was at the FSU LSU game. I went to the Super Bowl. Oh. Oh, that was a great game. And you had two teams, neither one of which has won any games lately. LSU's 11 and 13 lately, and we're worse. And they were talking to people like me like we were second-tier citizens. Even at the half, when they'd done nothing, I was getting told in line for the bathroom how trash my program was. That's LSU fans. That is uh, L- but, but the guy in front of me was an FSU guy, right? And he was wanting to argue. And so they were going back and forth over my shoulder. I'm literally sitting there going, bro, I, I just have to pee. You know what I mean? Like the frat guy behind me that just started gambling because he finally got free of his parents. He knows, <laughs> he knows everything about football. I get it. I was you. I was you in 1989. Yes. Right? And then the old guy in front of me that's wanting to argue with them, I get it because I was you in 93 through – 95 or whenever we lost a home game for the first time in a long time. You know, that kind of crap is what it is. Yeah. And um, it just that is what a fandom is. You argue. Yeah. You you believe. It's fun if you don't take it too seriously. Like, you'll hear me pick at people's fandoms. Mm-hmm. I'll pick at Auburn. I'll pick at Tennessee. I'll pick at LSU. But in the end of the game, we're all college football fans. And that should be a guiding thing, not a – it should be, aha, we pick fun at each other. But I'm just one of those people. It should never be blood game serious like like we're, we're uh, poisoning people's trees and stuff. Or like the IWC. Yes. Right? That is where wrestling has kind of gone awry. Is, and it, it, some of it has to do with Vince, like the- Vince himself, right, in the uh, – the persona that he gave and how he kind of put everybody out of business and that kind of reduced jobs. And so there's legitimacy in that. Oh. Also, though, what he did allowed for bigger TV contracts and it, and eventually parlays into people getting paid more money on the other end. You know, so there's tricks to it. And then Tony was smart enough to realize the greatest heel in the business is Vince. And so he utilized that. 
yeah. to create this thing. And now it's not lost on me. Now let's get into Tony Khan's issues. Right now, of course, Lightning Rod issue, Punk says some things to Hangman a couple uh, about Hangman a couple weeks ago when Hangman wasn't there, retorting to a promo that was very old, that that was said while he was in the ring. Then we turn around and there's more mess. He has a match with Mox. He gets hurt, which winds up being like not even the story. He goes into a scrum. He he uh, goes what? crazy. Uh, literally burns the town down. Right, scorched earth. Yeah. The only person I think he didn't say something poor about was Mox. He's, he he called out the EVPs and said they were he called he when he was calling out the EVPs he called out working um retail in general yeah right you can't manage what did the managers of Target ever do to CM Punk I don't know he's had a bad experience there something I, I think they would not take his return he did not have his receipt or proof of any purchase. I have my doubts that he's had a good experience anywhere. No. I <laughs> wanting to give, you know, some possibility. There was a but man, I, I he's just toxic right now. I don't know. Well, look, we all look, we've all been there. We've all worked in a toxic environment. We, everybody's done it. You know, yeah. may, maybe it wasn't extended but you had an issue where two co-workers hated each other and you had to go in and work with them and nobody was getting fired so everybody had to walk on eggshells for a little bit everybody's dealt with it we've also all had the co-worker who comes in brand new does a really good job early on which in this case punk had a reputation that preceded him for being for greatness and people uh-huh. had kind of forgotten that it ain't cm Adult rational. No. It's CM Punk. Yeah. And he made his name not only in calling out the hypocrisies of the levels above him and of his coworkers, but also to some degree believing his gimmick to the point where he was the second city messiah. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to point out something, and here's I'm going to give CM Punk the ultimate. John Cena diss. It's funny because remember when Santino Morella got slapped by Jim Cornette yeah. in, back in OVW. Yeah. And Punk was one of the main ones who got him fired. Cornette. This, yeah, this professional environment. We don't operate like that. We don't put our hands on people. This is a, you know, this is not, you know, he was, he talked big game. Now let's roll that roll that movie forward, and now we got CM Punk in the back talking about how the young cats don't respect him enough and getting in physical altercations with people because they're not giving him enough of his respect or his due diligence or not talking to him right or you know they're not calling him out in the right way, which he would like it. Man, he has become Jim Cornette. Also, to some degree... When he says, okay, for, let me backpedal. When Sasha and Naomi get into it with yep. your boy, uh, Johnny Ace. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I'm still here. People power, right? People power. When, when that happens, Punk is the guy who says, if you don't take up for your coworkers, you know, you have to at all times take up for your coworkers because who will take up for you? Fast forward to that thing. He blasted all of his coworkers. Yep. And to, to say that the Young Bucks don't make money when the Young Bucks revolutionized the way you make money. Dude. Is crazy. I, I, there's not, I mean, Bullet Club money. and I mean, those guys were right at the forefront creating all that, sh- all that stuff, getting all that. They were millionaires working the indies. Yes. Don't tell me they don't make money. Now, you might can say, hey, they don't move the needle on Wednesday nights on TNT. Okay, maybe maybe you see a demo out. 
You see stats I don't see. So, okay, maybe that's true. But point is none of that had to be said. None of it. And the other thing was when you say, I'm a grown man, come find me. Fast forward. They came and found you. They came and found him. And not only did they come find him, but when things started to jump off, Omega was rational enough to supposedly get the dog out of there. That was my favorite part of the whole story. Right. That's my favorite part. And then somehow he gets bit. Right. Well, I will say this. Uh, you, our, our, our good friend Jamel. Not by the dog, not mind you. Not by the dog. Right. By a steal. Right. But now I will say this. Our good friend Jamel and I talked for about an hour on a drive home, and he sees he sees all of this uh, much differently than we do. because. And I, I'm glad I spoke to him because I was all Punk's fault before I started thinking about it. And there is legitimacy in, you know, the rumors come out after I talked to him. But what he said was, look, man, if I'm a husband and my wife is in a room and people start throwing punches, all bets are off. Oh, yeah. It's done. It's fight now. Right. It's three on two. And the third person in the room is my wife. I might hit somebody with a chair. I might bite somebody. Who's Whose wife was in the room? Steals. Steele's wife? Steele, oh, no. Steele was supposedly watching the dog, if all these and things are true. I love the Bucks, and I think Punk was wrong to call them out, but you're a executive vice president. Mm-hmm. You don't go storming up in somebody's place acting like a – if you want to be management, you be management. If you want to be one of the boys, you be one of the boys, but you can't be both, and that's just a fact. Well, here's the thing. What you just said, they marched into Punk's office, and I don't believe they were looking for a fight. No, no, I no. don't know anything about those guys that says we're looking for a fight. I've no. never heard of that. Especially Omega. Omega, that's not his personality makeup. Punk is the one who supposedly throws that first punch. Yeah. So no, Steel is the one who probably gets fired out of all of this. Yes. There is a legitimate question to me in if – Christopher Daniels, who's supposedly been suspended in all of this, is in the room, and he is a talent guy. That's his job, to handle talent. I'm thinking, let me let me ask you a question. Jamie Nobles is standing between CM Punk and the Young Bucks, and they're about to start a fight. Does it happen? No. Now, I didn't say Hunter. I didn't say Steven Regal. I didn't name all the greats or the people that you know are in control. I'm telling you, Jamie Nobles doesn't even let that jump off. He Jamie Nobles. You look at him and not look at each other. Here we are with Christopher Daniels, who's suppo- who I believe is a respected man in the yeah. industry, and somehow this thing jumps off, which tells me he picked a side, and it wasn't well, punks. brought this up before. The person that Tony Khan needs more than anybody else right now in this particular moment in his company, and he needs to go talk to him this week, is William or Stephen Regal, whatever you want to call him. Right. Regal is the most important person because you can get him to be your locker room undertaker, basically. Wrestler's court settles stuff without, you know. Agreed. All of this happens. Everybody's calling for people to be fired, whatever. Wednesday rolls around. Now, first of all, in the aftermath of all of this, he had a 15-match pay-per-view that night. By most reports, four of them were above average to very, very good. Matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's not four out of 15 people we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And the thing that saved the pay-per-view wasn't the ladder match, although it was very good. Wasn't the trios match, although it was somewhat great. Wasn't Mox Punk, which I thought was pretty good, considering the fact that Punk blew out his elbow about a minute and a half in and kept wrestling. Kudos on that, dude. He kept checking his arm the whole time, and they went out there, and they told the story. I thought they did a good job of it. I I didn't like the result. I I will go to my grave saying Moxley is the blood that pumps through that company. That is it. I agree with you completely, and if you don't put the belt on that dude, you're dumb. That's just dumb. Listen to people. But the thing that saved the pay-per-view for non, no matter what they do, this is the greatest thing on earth fans, was MJF winning the ladder match with with the devil mask on as Stokely goes and gets it, brings it down. What? 
mask was bad as hell. I love that mask. Bro, perfectly done. Tony bought the perfect song, Sympathy for the yeah. Devil, because Punk oh, is your messiah for one. For two, Punk is the hero, and yet he has become the villain due to his own behavior. Yes. And then, so we do have sympathy for the devil in that we think he may be the one who can save us from all of this. Yes. And we miss him because MJF, as he points out in the first minute or two of Dynamite, told us this was who Punk was. Eddie told us this is who Punk was. And I'm not saying you can't work with Punk. I'm talking, this is, now I'm, I'm going into kayfabe world. Because we're just talking about, okay. MJF, at the end of the day, even with his back turned to us taking off the mask and putting the scarf on, perfectly done. Yes. All that's overshadowed. And Punk knew it. I will tell you I right now, Punk knew at the end of that match, he heard the crowd chanting for MJF and nobody was chanting for CM Punk. In Chicago, In after Chicago. he won. During the match, there was, let's go Mox, let's go Punk chance. It wasn't 100% Punk in Chicago. It wasn't what he's used to in Chicago. And when the fight was over and MJF showed up, they might as well have been booing Punk in his mind because they damn sure weren't cheering him. They were cheering the heel. Uh -huh. And he couldn't stand the fact that he didn't have all the attention and he went out there and got it in the scrum. Shut I Tony down every time Tony tried to talk. No, I agree with that completely. That is that I that is a very right. egocentric kind of a yes. That is, I'll get the spotlight back on me. Right now, supposedly the a lot of the genesis of this is the fact that the Bucks wouldn't work with FTR at the end. There, they they went on ahead and dropped the belts instead of giving them up, and and that rubbed Punk the wrong way because he and FTR are one side of the locker room. Another what? thing that is, go ahead, go ahead. I agree with him completely on that one. Yeah. That's some childish mm -hmm. junk. Absolutely. Those dudes are the hottest tag team in wrestling right now. I love the Bucks. Y'all need to go out there and do business. You said that incorrectly, though, because they should have been the hottest tag team in wrestling. They were on the cusp of being the hottest tag team in wrestling. And by not laying down and looking at the lights for them, the Bucks didn't allow them to be the hottest thing in wrestling. I can agree with that. Right? Now, the other point here is that supposedly, and this is an interesting thing, supposedly, if you look at the timeline, when Punk's going in, Cody's leaving. That rubs Cody the wrong way because he felt the rift between Cody and the Bucks, not Cody and Khan, was mm -hmm. what drove Cody out of there. Supposedly to me and you, we thought that Punk's money was the reason Cody was gone because Khan wouldn't give. So Punk may actually be thinking multiple levels here. I'm getting blamed for Cabana. Uh, I'm getting blamed for Cody leaving. Mm -mm. Cody had said it wasn't about the money, but we all thought he asked for Punk money, right? Yeah. But undercurrent, Cody leaves, Omega's hurt. Moxley goes to rehab for a second. Daniel Bryan has to leave for a minute or two. I'd heard reports when Cody left from Big Swole, multiple other people. Whenever we had a problem with what was going on, Cody was the guy we went and talked to. Maybe he couldn't fix it, but he gave it a shot. He talked to people. He tried to work things out for us. When Cody left, there was nobody like that anymore. Omega's a locker room voice. Mox is a locker room voice. Daniel Bryan, even though he's a WWE guy, is a sensible guy. His reputation is such, I don't think it would splinter a locker room. With all no. those voices gone, what winds up bubbling to the, to the top is the discontent. NJF mm. takes his ball, goes home. If you're there and you're important talent that developed in AEW, you have to wonder if MJF can't get what he wants. Mm -hmm. Who the f around here can? Yeah. Right? So then we go to Dynamite, and, and MJF gives this wonderful, over-the-top, silly B Bills promo and then turns that into, I can't wait to win this title, blah, blah, blah. It was a beautiful tightrope between who he is and trying to be nice to us. Mox comes out. 
sends him away, which he does. Yeah, but then, first, the complete heel turn again. Like, I'm not that guy. I hate all of you people. <laughs> correct. But the beautiful thing here, John Moxley in about 300 seconds reminded us of what AEW was supposed to be. Yes. What AEW is supposed to represent and why we fell in love with AEW in the first place. He galvanized the fan base. Now, did it work with the locker room? I don't know because the locker room still has to have Tony reinforce it. Well, yeah, and if the locker room gets... The leaders back there are, are, you know, start. It can't be the Bucks and it can't be Omega right now. It's got to be somebody. Those dudes are, are management now. You've got to have people who are just guys who are the locker room leaders who can talk to people and feel like they're being heard. The belts, the tag belts have to go on the acclaimed. Oh, Definitely. They have to go into clay. Swerve and Keith Lee, I love them, and I, I don't, I don't hate them together. I actually kind of really, actually, the, their match was one of the highlights of that pay per view with the mm-hmm. acclaimed. First superstar man waiting to happen. And, and so's Keith Lee. Keith Lee, yeah. But you need homegrown talent to be these things. The trio's belt that that you know after Mox was quiet going into the trio. First of all, John Moxley is. AEW. He needs to have the belt. Tony needs to realize that when Punk got hurt and he was in a jam, Moxley not only legitimized that belt in a way that had been a little bit shady even with Punk ascending to the title. Mm-hmm. He went on a run that put him in my view one or two in Wrestler of the Year. Mm-hmm. Then you make the decision to take the belt off the man. Punk gets hurt again. Axel Fool undermines everything that Moxley just just accomplished, and then in thirty, like I said, three hundred seconds or so, saved you a game. Again, again, you need to realize that your horse is John Moxley. It ain't Chris Jericho, because no. no I, I, let me let me just say this: Chris Jericho, when this when the mess was going on in the locker rooms. Jericho had a meet, had a presser. He stands up and whispers after the presser is over. He stands up and whispers in Khan's ear. Some sh- went down backstage. <laughs> if and everybody's like, well, Chris Jericho's got to be frustrated with this. Let me tell you something. Chris Jericho has been in wrestling a million years. Yes, he could have easily said to Tony when he walked to the podium, whispered in his ear. Something's going down backstage. You need to go. I can handle this. Yes. Tony should have been out of there. Yeah. Tony should. Chris Jericho was the perfect person to have doing that interview. Mm-hmm. Because Chris Jericho can do that interview by himself. In his sleep. He does not need Tony beside him. He can keep it quiet. Tony can go back there and deal with it. It'll come out, but it doesn't come out like this. If Tony's able to deal with it, which I, I no. don't, we don't know that for a fact yet, because if he isn't able to deal with it, that doesn't mean AEW goes down. It just means he needs to put people in a hierarchy that can buffer him from them, and he's got to quit. Look, me. When Vince was younger, I think there may have been confusion sometimes with the Hogans and guys like that of who the boss was. Mm-hmm. Bischoff was a good boss when it came to marketing, but when the confusion set in as to what side he was on, suddenly he was Hogan, Nash, Hall, their side. Yeah. Okay. Khan's got to be the boss. You what? It, it can't be one of the boys. Jericho watched that. Jericho stood there and watched Bischoff fall into that same trap and watch it eat a company. Right. I, I just don't understand how you can watch the, like and not see the same kind of things happening. Well, you know whose benefit it is to have 
Omega, Bucks, Punk in bad standing with the owner? Chris Jericho. Oh, Chris Jericho. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right? Chris Jericho has managed to stay on stage. And I will give Chris this. I was hypercritical of his wrestling over the last couple of years. He has trimmed down. His matches are very good. I thought that his match with Brian Danielson was, was... it was a little bit plotting. It wasn't the best thing that he's done lately. It wasn't the best done Daniel did's done lately, but they did tell a story and it was good. Here's my only problem with him. He wins too damn much at this point in his career. He wins in batches where he should lose and they and he should put people over. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've no product in the ring that he's putting on at this point in his career. He's gotten Better, like you said, he's probably lost 30 pounds. Yeah. Gotten it really good, but he's winning matches he shouldn't win. He absolutely needs to be putting people over. You're 100% right. I was just going to say, you saw who else they probably lost, too, this week. Who's that? Malachi. Right. Justifiably so. Yeah, dude. I came over here. You promised me the moon, and I'm sitting here with the coolest faction in here just about. Right, wrestle on Rampage every week. Bro, if I'm him and they got me staring at Sting, I'm like, look, dude, I came here to wrestle for championships and you want me to help out with the old-timer tour? Yeah. Look, I love Sting. and I love him helping out, all that. I think it's a little weird they book him like Drew, Drew McIntyre still, but yeah. whatever, right? Whatever. I, I you know. And he was in the coffin the other day. And who opened the coffin for it? And he was in there. I can't remember. But they had, oh, it was Buddy Murphy. Buddy had to stand there for like 30 seconds while Sting got up out of that coffin to hit him. Going back to, I thought that Dynamite was just as good, if not better, than the pay-per-view. Yeah. Right? You had the Death Triangle versus the Best Friends match. It was great. The right team goes over. Death Triangle probably should have. Death Triangle or House of Black should have won that trios championship in the first place. Right. Danielson Hangman was fantastic. Oh God, yeah, come on, dude. Right, and I don't mind Brian. I don't mind Danielson winning. Uh, it's fine. I would have been okay with Hangman winning, but that's fine too. The Ring of Honor rules thing with Yuta uh, and Garcia. Fantastic. Dude, yes. Fantastic. It was better than Punk Mox. I don't care what you – I get it. Punk oh, took, by far. You know, and Punk was hurt. I give him credit for it. He was bleeding. He was hurt. That's fine. R- Garcia, Yuta was better. Yeah, it was. And, I, and so anyway, my point is here's the thing. Tony has a sh- ton of talent. When he has lost people due to injury or whatever, his shows have been better. They've been concise. They have been great. It's because yeah. he has a bukutol of talent running around, and he can use it better when he isn't handcuffed with having to give certain people. You know, if Jericho has to have a certain amount of time, Punk has to have a certain amount of time, uh, next thing you know, you're running out of time for things. Two hours, man. You ain't running. You ain't running. Uh, you're running three hours a week. The other, the other show gets – Five at least, right? Unless you watch Dark and all that, but and I, I, I but that those aren't television shows, though. You know what <laughs> I mean? And so, it, to me, it does matter what those shows are like. And I think that he needs to recognize, and I hope he does. Moxley's his guy, and the older talent doesn't have to have the spotlight constantly. The chances no. of me forgetting who CM Punk is who the Young Bucks are, because they're not on every week, are Slim nil. nil. They're nil. I'm going to remember them. It's why people complain about Roman not being on every show, and I'm like, bro, when Roman's on, he's on 20 minutes. If he's on every show... Walking to the ring. If he's on every show, that's... An one, hour? That's 20 performances a month that don't get to happen for other people. I'm fine with him not I'm fine with him not being in the ring I'd like him to be like at least pretend he's there sometimes you know 
have him like sending minions out to do stuff. He doesn't have to wrestle, but you know, he could be a presence. Well, he will take this episode, for example. He was a presence in this episode. Yeah. We, We told the story of Solo Sequoia being the younger brother. Pain. Huh? Martyr that is Sami Zayn. Yes. But we told. He, he looks out for other people. Exactly. Exactly. And we told that story eloquently, and it all revolves around Roman without him having to be there. Exactly. And Solo gets to be the focus, and Sammy gets to be the focus, and the Usos get to be the focus. Drew gets to be the focus. And that's, that's a part, that's the, the thing, and I don't think Vince would have ever figured, I think Roman had to figure that out. Because when Brock was absent, it was just Brock was absent. Yeah. The only way you knew about him was Paul. Paul would come out or somebody would complain about him not being there. And right. in this way, you can continue. He Roman has created this atmosphere around him, and I don't think it has anything to do with I think Roman did, did this. He's created an atmosphere around him in a pecking order around him that allows him to tell stories without having Which, to be omnipresent. Hey. Kevin, he's almost created an island of relevancy. (laughs) Right. But I think Tony has to realize that I I I told a story one time by a guy in the wrestling business, and he hasn't given me permission to to use his name, so I won't do it. But he said, look, this can be about anything. Seinfeld isn't always about Seinfeld. Show about nothing. <laughs> right. But, you know, like, you tell the story of Daredevil on the Netflix series. What made yeah. it really, really good is how much you learned about Foggy and Karen and Kingpin. Yes! Daredevil gets told over the course of the entire season. Exactly. The characters have their own episodes. That's the thing that they don't... I, I think that you're exactly right that they don't get... That a hero is only as good as their supporting cast and opposition. Right. You don't remember Luke Skywalker without Darth Vader. He, he's nothing. He's nothing. He's a whiny farm kid. Yes. Yes. He likes way too much. <laughs> right. Right. He likes his sister way too much. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, but, okay, so that's what we hope for. And... We have this great tournament set up. You are listening to Go Home Heat, a wrestling podcast. Check out our friends at the GIN Project, the G-I-N-N Project.com. Check out our friends at the Daily Smart, your one-stop shop for all things pro wrestling. And now, back to Go Home Heat. I like to, do you like Tony Storm being the women's champ, first of all? I do. I do. They've really got to get better at the way they book their women's division. Yes. In the way they do that. Uh I think they I think they need a, a, a I don't think they need a lot of new talent. I think a women's champion or uh not even champion, just another really talented on the mic woman would help them. I think it would. You know what else would help them a lot? If they would take Serena Deeb and take her off being a working wrestler and have her produce matches. They need somebody to produce their women's matches way better. It's I re- think they have the talent at this point. Right. Well, I, they, they brought in Madison Rain. They brought in yeah. Madison Rain to supposedly do something like that. She immediately got the little title match with Cargill and it didn't work out, whatever. But that was just to introduce her to us and let us know she was there. She's supposedly in that role, but I will say this. WWE has a bunch of people that help book matches, and you don't have to have that level, but right now in the women's division, it would be okay to have three people helping that thing move along. It would be okay to have, and I I don't know if they do or not, but to have, hey, man, let's just all come into I remember a story, and it was in Hunter's book. He, he he wrestled Terry Taylor. It was in the book, uh, The Making of the Game, where Hunter explains how you should lift weights compared to how you want people to perceive you. 
and he utilized his characters to tell you like high cardio when he was the Grin Grinwich. Yeah. Right. High cardio for that guy because it can't be huffing and puffing. When he was the game, he expanded uh, low reps, that kind of thing. It, 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 a pretty interesting book. You know, he left steroids out. Yeah. Assume that, assume that means he never did it. No, never. Okay. Never. Uh, but he tells the story of Terry Taylor. He says Terry uh, wrestled with him one one day on like a TV taping, and when they walked away from the ring, he said, "How long have you been doing this?" He said something like, I, "I read the book a long time ago, so if I'm wrong about the years, I apologize." He said, three years." Terry said, "No, you hadn't." He said, "Look, man, if you want to be good at this, every you know Wednesday or whatever." Show up eight o'clock in the morning. Be ready to work at the power plant. And Hunter did that, and he got better. There would be nothing wrong with hey, everybody's got to be here TV taping at two. Y'all get here at eleven. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna build something here inside this division. And maybe they do that, but it doesn't feel like they do that. But if you're going to tell people to be there at eleven for a seven o'clock show, you can't give them ten minutes. No. Uh uh-uh. uh. Four of which are commercials. Yes. Yeah. Did, and speaking of that, what was all right? Just to show this point right here, how important this is. What was probably the best match of the Clash of the Castle paper? To me, the best match. To me, to me, the women's match was the perfect way to start a pay per view. Oh yeah. Gunther, Walter, Sheamus was a match of the year candidate. Riddle, Seth was a match of the year candidate. Yeah. So, who produced, did you see who who booked the, the uh, Gunter Sheamus match? Who? Chris Parks. There you go. That dude has been him, uh, what, uh, Nat, Natty's husband. Uh, TJ. TJ. Man, two, those two guys right there are worth their weight in gold. For making matches, and a couple of ones they got over there, and I think you've seen it a lot more on the WWE product in the last few since Triple H took over. Those people are getting to do their jobs more. To your point, Seth had this interview. I read an article this morning, Daily Smart, and it was written by a, a out of character. Seth did an interview with the Fox Sports guy that does their stuff, Ryan Satin. I think it's Ryan Satin. And he winds up saying, hey, you know, Vince was great, but he was all over the place. And I'm paraphrasing everything here because I read it once and then we started the show like 30 minutes later. But he said, you know, Triple H, it's just a steadier force. And he said, and I was worried because I worry when I see Hunter continually sign people and bring people in since he's come back. But it was mostly people he didn't want to see leave anyway, but still – because yeah. I thought that the smaller locker room had given, uh, made it easier for them to tell stories, mm-hmm. like we're asking for with the other companies yeah. as well. Um, that. But he said, tri- he said Triple H is still getting. He said right now Triple H is starting to play a game of chess, and his pieces are all messed up. And he's getting them in order. He's figuring out who his pieces are. He said in three to six months, I'm really excited about where this is going to go. Well, it's like when a coach comes in at a football team. Mm-hmm. There may be good assistants there. There may be some good players there, but are they the players that are going to work best for him in his scheme, in his style, and the best coaches? When he gets those people in place for himself and he can actually start playing, to paraphrase, his game, I think you're going to see, like, Seth is very correct. That's going to be a different animal altogether than what we've been getting but and I'm very excited for it. I think too that Triple H is a very, I I, I think he is a planner, and yes. I think that he's going to have a like I, I I believe that the reason and I know a lot of people are upset with Drew not winning at Cardiff and you know I wasn't okay but yeah but I wasn't either right but I don't think a they knew that Cardiff was going to be that hot all night. I don't think they realized Drew was he was going. I think they knew Drew would be over, but I didn't know, think they realized how big the moment would have been if he had won. Wales is popping right now, Kevin. But the other, God rest her soul. 
But the yeah. other thing aside, I think what we learned is the next person to beat Roman is going to be someone they feel like needs to be anointed. And that's yes. probably Cody. Yes. Drew's already been the man. He can he'll win another title at some point. Having that moment of Roman's two-year reign come down with a guy that's already done that is a waste of a moment. Yes. There is it would be a big moment if Seth were to take it from him. I don't think that is what they want, though. I, I think they want to anoint someone, and I think the guy is Cody. And I think they thought the guy might be Cody. And I think, oddly enough, the pectoral performance with Seth may have eliminated Seth from competition in who who gets rid of Roman's reign first. Yeah. And it's sad it's- because as good as Cody was in that match, that can't happen without Seth. Dude, nobody else makes you look that good. Dude, that riddle, that the the one thing I could see them doing, just a fantasy book, real quick. If you want to split those belts up, you get Roman in a situation where he's going crazy because Seth stays under his skin. Right? The 10 year anniversary is coming up of the shield. Maybe uh-huh. you have maybe you have Seth come out and save him. Something's going on. The, the you know the, they figure out a way to have the same amount of people dealing with the bloodline as maybe Imperium is is uh-huh. is doing it right, and then you have Seth come out and save him and kind of give him a nod, stick his fist out and walk away. Uh huh. Something's weird like that, right? Get it to a point where Roman is in a match where the championship advantage isn't there. And then you have Seth get so far under his skin that he gets disqualified. Mm-hmm. Seth gets the raw belt, and then you can have Cody go over with SmackDown. Something weird like that, right, would be a way to do it because that was the story they told with Riddle. Yeah. And it was it was excellent. Seth couldn't put Riddle away. He couldn't stop the fact that Riddle's physicality was more than his. So what was the only thing he could do? He made Riddle so freaking mad that Riddle lost his thought process and got his head stomped on and wound up with a big old goose egg in the middle of his face. Oh, yeah. Also, sidebar, I could not believe the promo two weeks ago where Seth said the stuff about the guys. And anybody thinks that 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 was real or shoot, let me explain something to you. If they had not discussed that previously, Seth is a lot of things. He ain't a real fighter, and he knows he can't fight. No, Riddle. If 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 he pisses that that's kind of stuff. You if you don't clear it first, you're getting jacked in the back, man. I, I don't care. There wouldn't be. There's nobody back there that can stop Riddle from doing whatever he wants to to Seth Rollins. Right. Right. And I, Seth knows. That. And Seth, I don't think, I don't think Seth's the kind of guy that would have said something like that without clearing it first. Well, I, I, he may have cleared it like this. He might have cleared it like, hey, Hunter, why don't you go ask Riddle if this is okay? Oh, uh, yes. Now, that's true. I, I wouldn't sit there in a the room with him and go, hey, man, you mind if I bring up the fact that your wife and kids don't like you? Yeah. <laughs> the wife? I didn't sure. bring up X messages, homeboy. Right. Well, the the, the 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 wife, sure, you could bring that up, right? The ex-wife, but you wouldn't want to bring up the kids, you know. And that's and and Seth did an interview with that Ariel guy, and that guy does great interviews, by the way. The one he did with Hunter, if you haven't listened to it, I highly recommend that. Uh, but the Seth, he's he's releasing it in parts. The first one, he said, they asked him, you know, do you like Riddle? He's like, man, I don't really like Riddle, but you know. And they said, well, what's off limits? Because what you said was kind of. He said to me, if you threaten my ch- my kid, yeah. That's off limits. He said, besides that, he said, look, everything that's ever happened to me, he said, I got stuff on the internet that's got awful. Mm-hmm. You come get me. It's all out there anyway. Everybody knows it. You mm-hmm. know, so you can say anything you want to me. It's fine. Just don't say you're going to go to my trailer and do something to my kid. Other than that, yeah, it's all good. You know what I mean? And then with his wife being in the business, it, 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 she's kind of on limits more than a lot of other people. It's just like Riddle's wife getting into the fray 
on her yeah. own multiple times has allowed her to be in the picture on some of the stuff too. Anyway, I am wrestling. We didn't even talk about wrestling really. What matches do you recommend from the last two weeks that you think people should watch? Oh, Sheamus and Gunter. Sheamus going up to Riddle Seth. Riddle Seth. Uh, I, I have Ricochet and Carmelo Hayes in that pile. Yes. I, I would recommend the da- Brian Danielson match. I would recommend. Wheeler Yuta Garcia. Yeah. If you just have something that's different from most things you'll see in pro wrestling. Right. I, I, I do, do you hate Gonzalez and Aaliyah being champs? Yes. Yes. I think that's terrible. Okay. I think. I, I don't. I don't hate it. I don't know why it doesn't bother me that much. I think Gar- I think they are Raquel Gonzalez needs a complete character redo. Like her Titantron, everything is so generic and bland. Speaking, I'll tell you, like, was Lacey Evans coming out to the ring and putting her hand up like she was going to high five a kid, and then turn around and tell him he could kiss her ass. <laughs> I gotta give Fretz, man. She, that's a. I think she's a great heel. She I is a good she, heel. Absolutely. She, I'll tell you something else, and this is a little sidebar. End of the end of the show, SmackDown. Cross comes out, snatches old McIntyre, puts the grapevines. That's when he puts the legs on him, drops back into that in that choke. I, I think Cross was pissed. He had to sit there and pretend like he couldn't choke Drew McIntyre out in about twenty in about ten seconds, dude. Because McIntyre's like rolling around for like oh he's rolling around and trying to and he had to readjust his hold a couple of times and it was like dude if I slap this on you son you're going to sleep. Dude, I knew you were going to say that if we brought it up, and I was going to bring it up because you know how I don't like the way they book Drew, and I've never seen anyone in a chokehold that doesn't have their hand somewhere in that arm that's around their throat or under between something and be not even, I mean, in wrestling maybe, but I mean, you know, Hogan was able to do that, but come on, man, this is a modern world in which we've seen MMA fights. Yeah. I know if you've got the legs in like that and the choke under the chin, like he had it. Yeah. Who you are. Brock Lesnar goes to sleep right there. Right, right, right. And I get that. The, I know the aesthetic they were going to was Michael Cole saying he's fading to black as the screen is fading to black. Yes. So let's start to choke later or something because Drew does. And I know they wouldn't do that because they want Drew to look like they want Drew to look, which is okay. Yeah. But boy, it frustrated he's, me too. Seconds in a chokehold is ridiculous, dude. Right. Right, poor Scarlett had to come up with a soliloquy to freaking talk to yeah. you. Well, is is, but I thought the show was good. I don't like what they're doing with Braun because we we know that the trope we hate the most is him beating up tag teams. Yes, I don't like be- that. I don't like the fact that they're bringing Braun back, and it feels like they're bringing back the same Braun. Yes, I don't either. Uh, I I, I would have wanted him to be heel. Murder people. Maybe the problem is if he's a real heel, it's hard to keep him away from the champ. Yeah, why isn't he going up there murdering people to get the belt? Right. I didn't like the fact that on how many power bombs did he give Otis? Oh, I don't remember, but several. Yeah. Did you think it was fair to say for people to say he wanted to be Wardlow? Wardlow, yes. Yes. You did? One. Okay. Okay, I didn't think I was going to say I wasn't fair, but if you think it's fair, then I'm going to let it go. Train, Eric. I mean, he's trained, KP. He's trained. <laughs> well, they brought that back. They referenced it, like, immediately. The, the, the Shroman Express. The Express, but the less dead-eyed children. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so... I'm re- I don't think wrestling's been this interesting in years. No, no, definitely not. I'm glad we've gotten a little bit past the Vince Hayes. We're starting to see. It's funny because I find it harder to talk about WWE because there aren't as many things to complain about. Oh, shows are running well. Yeah, right, right. All the shows are good. You know, there's little things you could nitpick, but that's the way you want to watch your wrestling. 
yeah. you, you want to be able to go, I didn't agree with the result of the final. Not, why am I still watching this program for six months? Yeah. Right. I'm getting matches. Right. I agree with you. I think that I think AEW will get it right. I feel like a, a huge step in that direction was whatever happened with Punk when he told the other guys to go home, and I'm sure they all went home with pay. I don't think any of them lost any yeah. money. But they did lose face a little bit. And I do believe that he that Punk was told, look, you got to go home. And when you come back, I'm not going to sit there and look like a fool anymore Mm-mm. sitting beside you. When you come back, there's not going to be any more discontent in the locker room. You're going to help these young guys, and if they don't want your help, you're not going to worry about it. Mm-hmm. But what you're not going to do is walk around here because Hangman Page ain't a young guy. No, Hangman dude. Page traveled the world. Hangman Page, when they decided we want an AEW, everyone agreed Hangman Page would be the champion that would eventually be their Hogan, their Cena, their whatever. Now, he may not wind up being that, but that decision was made about that young man based on work prior to being in AEW. So for three years later, you to sit there and try to treat that dude and talk to that dude like he's a kid. And for him in an interview to say, well, I kind of do my own thing, that's not a shot at you. I kind of do my own thing is not a shot at you. No. If you think it's a shot at you, get over yourself. Well, and I'm sure Punk had his own, you know, I do my own thing. He wasn't listening to nobody back in the day. Are you kidding? Well, you know who he did listen to? Kenta. Oh, Kenta. Well, he listened to him enough to steal his mood. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't bother to change the name. Yeah. But I I do. We can close on this. The real person, they better be glad wasn't in that locker room. When that crap kicked off was Bobby Fish. Because I. (laughs) Fish would have settled some scores. <laughs> yeah. And I think he'd have taken Punk's head clean off with like just, just one one tie kick right to the head. Just blam. <laughs> Elbow. I, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. Um, I do think that we'll close on this. I think Punk was told, you can come back, but here are the parameters. I hope so. And – if we and I know you, and you may not be able to work under these under these circumstances, and that's okay. We can we can prorate your contract. You can go away. That's yeah. up to you. But what's not up to you is how you behave when you get back. No, it's business environment, dude. It's still a job. It's job. Sometimes you love your job. Hopefully, for those guys, as much pain as they put their bodies in. Hopefully they enjoy their job most of the time. But at some point, every road has a turn. And this is the road. Huh? Every rose has its thorns. Yes. Yes. And on that note, thank you, Brett Michaels. And every cowboy... It's a sad, sad song. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Check out our friends at The Daily Smart. Check out our friends at The Gin Project, thegininproject.com. Justin. Yes, sir. Go home. Awesome.